0: In, Uh, we've been doing the Jesus Way series, and um, as we've uh, done that, we've kind of transitioned in uh, the last week or so, focusing on what kind of things did Jesus do? What kind of things did Jesus do? And I've always been a guy that uh, I'll get really fascinated with certain people in throughout you know different areas of culture uh and just like I'll read a biography about them I want to find out you know so I don't know that fascination just drives me to find out as much as I can about that person and and especially if they're successful in something that I want to be successful as like what can I do that maybe they're doing that would help me be more like that and so I remember when I was uh in uh, junior high high school <clears throat> the person that I was most fascinated with and just wanted to like know everything about him was Michael Jordan I loved Michael Jordan I was a basketball player and 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 I don't know, like for those of you who are younger, I don't know if you understand the impact of Michael Jordan on our culture, but I don't think there's, there hasn't been an athlete since him with the same impact, and there wasn't an athlete before him with the same impact probably since like Babe Ruth. Um, I mean, he just had that iconic top of his field in an epic way air about him, and and, and so everybody wanted, you know, especially if you were any kind of athlete, everybody wanted to be like Mike. All the commercials told us to be like Mike, right? And so it was, uh, I, I, as a young basketball player, I just, was just fascinated at his skill and his ability. It was a very inspiring story. He didn't start playing basketball until his junior or senior year of high school. And, and he just had that natural, raw ability to just jump in and do great things. And he was, he was phenomenal, but I remember like watching all of, and all of us guys on the basketball team, we would watch everything. He'd, every time the Bulls were playing, every time, you know, early on when North Carolina was playing or whatever, you know, we would be watching him in every game and just in awe of what he was, and trying to imitate everything that he did. So we got, we had to get the Air Jordans, you know, had to get the right shoes. Like before Jordan came around, I don't know if you remember, but all basketball players wore these like short booty shorts. Remember those? just really embarrassing shorts. And then Jordan Jordan came around and we started wearing long shorts and we were like, how do we get some of those? Right. And, and, but you know, our uniforms were up to our schools and they weren't going to buy new, uniform, new uniforms just because Jordan was playing in long shorts. So we're trying to pull them down as much as we can. And, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. And then uh, so the, the shoes and the shorts and the uh, just like the way he could jump from anywhere on the court and wind up at the net in one singular jump. And then, and then you know, juke and jive the ball around behind his back and over his head and sip a cup of tea on the way and just like, you know, all the way to the... It was, so we would do that. We would just jump towards the net and just move the ball around as much as we could on the way there just to try to look cool, and it would look ridiculous. It was insane. But we would do that. And then, and then he had the, just this... Um, just this beautiful flag of a tongue that just always hung out of his mouth whenever he played, and and so we would just, you know, we were all and just uh, cutting our tongue and you know everything. It was just ridiculous the ways we would try to imitate him, and but it was like I just wanted if I could get even some of what he had, uh, you know, into my. Playing ability is, is all anybody ever dreamed about, and it was just I, I would imitate him in every way I possibly could i, I you know as I got older and you, you know you start fascinating on or fixating on other figures, and maybe it's some great leader or CEO of a company or you know and or you you'll see some you know Facebook post about. You know the five habits that all billionaires have in common, or something like. like oh, I got to check that out. Like number one's like wake up at five a.m. I'm like I'm out, and you know like, <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be happy with. Do you want to marry a thousandaire? You know it's like, um, but anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I mean you just you just kind of if you can view the patterns of successful people and go, what is it that they do a lot of you know or consistently or routinely. And if I did that, would it help me become more like them? And, and I feel a little bit the same way about Jesus, where I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the Gospels, those four books that we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Christ. And I'm looking, like, are there, are there clues in there? Are there patterns that you can see of, like, Jesus did this a lot. And so if he did it a lot, and I'm trying to be more like him, then maybe I should do that a lot. And and so you kind of look at so last week we looked at that Jesus eats with sinners. He just he sought out people that everybody else rejected, and uh, and not just to preach at them, but to embrace them and befriend them. Um, And it's just really amazing the way he would do that. And so this week we're going to focus on an aspect, a pattern in Jesus's life that is probably one of the most prevalent patterns that we can read in scripture, and probably also one of the most ignored. I'm missing a note. Is this it? Please. Yeah, I think so. All right. So uh, probably one of the most ignored things about his life, um, because it's, it's, it's a thing that when you look at it, you, you, the tendency is to go, that's not that important. That's not that big a deal. That's something I don't necessarily have to do, but it's a pretty big deal in his life. And so let, let me let me start with reading this uh, couple verses in Luke chapter five, starting with verse. Um, thank, you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, fifteen. Thank you, fifty. You set him up, I'll knock them down. All right, um, and and so and at this point in the story, Jesus is. Again, he's gaining popularity. You know, used to, he would go into a town, he'd go sit in their synagogue, you know, when they were worshiping or whatever, and whoever was there would see him and hear him teach. But as word of him began to spread and the great works that he was doing, the great teachings that he was teaching and, you know, the healings and everything else, those small crowds began to grow to hundreds that then began to grow to thousands of people that would press in to to hear him and just be near him. And so that's kind of where we pick up this these just a couple of verses, uh, Luke 5, 15. But now even more of the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. <clears throat> but listen to this. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And so what we see, this is just one example, what we see as, as demonstrated by Christ all throughout these, these Gospels is this tendency to withdraw, to retreat, to get off by himself or with a small number of people, to spend time in prayer, to spend time resting. You know, there's a story of, of Jesus. The disciples go out on a boat into the Sea of Galilee, and the storm rises up and they get all scared. And where's Jesus? He's taking a nap. He's taking a nap. And so, like, go be like Jesus, take naps. That's that's a good thing, right? But I just want to, I want to demonstrate real fast like how prevalent this is with Jesus. So let me just read some verses to you. Mark 1 uh, says, At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Over in Luke, he retells that story as, as, as you know Jesus kind of going out for spiritual renewal, time with God, prayer and fasting for 40 days. Uh, Mark 1, uh, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Uh, Mark 3, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. Uh, Luke 6, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God and when morning came, he called his disciples to him. Matthew 13, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things and parables. Mark, Matthew 14, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He liked boats and lakes, evidently. Mark 6, because so many people were coming and going and that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves. Okay, first of all, get that in your head for just a second. People are pressing in on him and they have nothing to eat and Jesus's response is you guys come with me by ourselves somewhere right we ha- we get this picture of Jesus feeding the thousands which he did but sometimes he was like it's more important for us to rest right now which i love Jesus said uh, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest so they went away by themselves in a boat again to a solitary place Matthew 14 after Jesus had dismissed the crowds he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray and when evening came, he was still there alone. Mark 7, Jesus entered entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. Luke 9, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Mark 9 again, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up high on a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. John 7, after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then Jesus also went up, not publicly, but in private. Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. When, uh, Mark 14, when Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Mark 14, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Like over and over and over, it comes up, this this pattern of Jesus to, to just retreat, get some time by himself, get some time with some close friends, uh, sing a hymn with those guys, spend some time praying, uh, spend some time taking a nap, some time resting, just go sit by the lake, go, you know, what? whatever. He was constantly withdrawing, constantly resting. And what we find here is that it's a really huge, important point, and it's this, that Jesus prioritized rest. Jesus prioritized rest. You can't miss it. If you read the stories, you can't miss that he, that was a huge priority in his life. Now, the reason I think that's so significant is not because, not, not so much because we should rest, which we should, I think it's so significant because Jesus is God, Like, if there's ever been a man alive that potentially didn't need rest, wouldn't it be Jesus? And yet we get this account over and over multiple occasions, multiple times of how rest was a really big deal to him. Retreating was a really big deal to him. And yet I think if you're like me and if you're like most other Americans, if we were to compare our lives to Jesus in that aspect, we would have to admit we're probably not much like Jesus at all that our tendency is to work, work, work stay busy, 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 and then eventually convince ourselves that the world will probably start spinning without us like if, if i if I don't go, if I don't show up, if I don't do that thing, if I don't get this busyness done or whatever, then it's just not going to get done the the company will probably fold you know whatever, and we, we just and and what I want what I hope that you get this morning, you kind of join me in this morning, is the sin of that attitude, that that is nothing but ego and pride, it is nothing but ego and pride. And it's something I think for most of us, we, we have to actively kind of fight against because it does come so natural to us, it really does. Now some of you are epic resters you you, you get it uh, some, some of you like you you're really great at resting, and you need some sermons about work <laughs> right <laughs> but for but for most of us for most of us, the tendency is you know we we need to pull back we need to pull back, like be like Jesus in that way. so Jesus gives us this beautiful example of. Prioritizing retreat and rest. There's this thing in in scripture um, called Sabbath. Sabbath, if you're, you know, uh, typically like one of us, um, you know, Protestant Christians, whatever, there tends to be not a lot of emphasis put on the concept of Sabbath. And Sabbath comes from, I mean, it's it's still a very big deal in the Jewish faith. Very, very big deal in Jewish faith. But Sabbath comes out of the Jewish tradition. It comes from, starts in Genesis chapter one from the creation model where God, you know, we're we're told the story of God um, creating all creation in six days and resting on the seventh day. Not that God needed a break or that he was tired, but what it's doing is kind of establishing this model of God as ruler, reigner over all creation. In the same way that after a long election season uh, and, and on inauguration day and after all the you know dances and balls and things that happen on inauguration day you will get some sort of report, report that you know the president and the first lady have taken up their residence in the white house not that they'll never come out again but it's just this kind of symbolic way of saying they're in charge now you know they're the they're they're the you know the top dogs so to speak right it's kind of that same way with, with the idea of God resting. He, he rests, and because He rests and rules over all creation, we can rest in Him. We can rest in Him. So, But, but then later on in Exodus, when we get the Ten Commandments, they pick up that theme again of, of that day of rest, and God gives us, gives Moses, Ten Commandments to pass down to the people. God's top ten list of things to do and not do and on it is remember the sabbath and keep it holy take a day take a day work 6 days and take a day off why cuz it's it's this whole it's why because God has created us and he knows us and he knows our needs and we're to rest in him to not go through life feeling like the whole world depends on us it's this beautiful act of submission to God to go One, it's beautiful that you gave me a day off. Thanks, God. Two, because you are in control, I can rest in you. I can do that. I don't have to work and toil and work and toil and feel like the world is on my shoulders. I can trust in you, rest in you. That's a great thing, right? Now, what happened was that those the idea of Sabbath in the Jewish life, combined with the command of circumcision, which is a whole other sermon I'm not getting into today, um, became the identifiers for the Jewish people. So how did you prove that you were a part of the family of God? Were you a part of the circumcision? Did you keep Sabbath? Those were really the two main things. Were you a Sabbath keeper? Were you a part of the circumcision? If 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 you weren't a Sabbath keeper that was a that might indicate that you weren't a part of the family of God and not a true member of the house of israel and so because of that, Sabbath became a very, very big deal and so even today, if you go uh hang around uh some Jewish friends or whatever, uh, they could probably tell you that there are 39 areas of work that are not allowed on the day of on the Sabbath day. And within those 39, and especially back in Jesus' day, within those 39 areas of work that weren't allowed, were hundreds upon hundreds of of like more minor laws uh, to make sure you weren't breaking Sabbath. And it was just this minutiae of law that almost nobody could keep. And so what was meant to be a blessing to the people from God became a burden like how can we ever keep all these sabbath laws no one's perfect nobody can keep that and so and then you had all these religious leaders that would just kind of follow people around that's kind of what the pharisees did the pharisees this is a beautiful, we have this thing in our head where we think that the pharisees were kind of like the priests or they worked at the temple they weren't at all they nobody gave them a job they just gave themselves this job of i'm just going to keep people in line and so you have these Pharisees that would walk around and they're, and it came from a good place. They wanted to make sure that Israel was being faithful to God so that God would reward her again someday, bring her back to power and send the Messiah and all that kind of stuff. But these self-appointed legalists would just walk around trying to catch people in wrongdoing. Oh, you broke the Sabbath, you lifted a pencil, you're out, you know, whatever. And so, or, or there's going to be a fine or whatever the case may be, some sort of punishment. So they were just constantly doing this. And so it's a Sabbath day, and this is such a great story in Matthew chapter 12. Sabbath day, uh, Jesus is with his disciples. They're hungry. They don't have anything to eat. They didn't make the Sabbath preparations like the law required them to make or whatever. So they go take a walk in a field, uh, like a wheat field or something, and they're picking the heads of the grain off the field, and they're popping the, the grain in their mouth. And, and, and then the Pharisees, the religious leaders, see them doing this and, and think they've, they've caught them doing something illegal what they were actually doing was stalking someone on the Sabbath, right? And so this is what happens Matthew 12, starting with verse one. "'At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath.' And he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry?' And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it's not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or, or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and, but are still guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself. Something greater than the temple is here, and if you had known what this means, and he quotes an Old Testament prophet, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. And then he says this, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It's basically Jesus' way of going, um, who do you think you are telling God how to live out God's Sabbath? (laughs) Right? Right? like I created this day and all the others in case you're curious. And so if anyone should know what being faithful to the Sabbath is, it's probably me. And so he kind of puts them in check that way, but he also kind of flips that paradigm on its head. And he reminds us that the Sabbath was for men, not men for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was for the benefit of people, not to enslave people to the Sabbath laws, right? And, and he does this really beautiful thing where he reminds us this, this tradition that had become so burdensome that would just fill people with dread. He reminds them that it was supposed to be blessing. Like, I, I gave you this day because I created you. I know the innermost workings of your being. I know what you need, and you need some time down. Also to acknowledge me and my lordship, but you need some some time down too. And I think so many of us, we just kind of go through life not acknowledging our own limits. Everybody around us is trying to convince us your wife, your husband, your coworkers, your family members, your friends, your, your, your church family, everybody sees how busy you are and they're sending up red flags. They're sending up warnings to you. They're telling you, you really need to slow down. You're too busy. You're, you know, whatever. And you still believe in your head, I have to be that way or things will not get done. Things will not work. Things will fall apart. And you are not only just lying to yourself, but I think you're committing an egregious sin of pride. You, some of you who know scripture well, who have read these stories over and over, will essentially look at those passages and go, God needed rest, but I don't. But I don't. And so you work and you toil and you work and you toil until finally your body attacks you or your life is cut short or 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 you have a panic attack or whatever else and it's because you 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 were just ignoring what God was given to you as this big blessing. So so the, the last principle is this. Embrace Sabbath and trade bondage for blessing. Embrace Sabbath and trade bondage for blessing. Now what I say when I mean embrace Sabbath is I want to remind you, we're not bound to Sabbath-keeping anymore. We're not. That, those signs of circumcision, the signs of Sabbath that once told people who the family of God was, those things have been done away with by Jesus Christ. Now, the signs for us is just simply faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Him. That's it. So if you're, if you're curious of, of if your Sabbath-keeping is going to somehow get you closer to God or, 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 or more favor with God or whatever, probably not. Probably not, but it, just because we're not bound to it anymore does not mean there's, there's not still great blessing for us there in it because it's the way God has established the rhythms of this world and the rhythms of our own life. And so when we embrace this kind of principle of rest or this principle of Sabbath, you are kind of admitting to God that you know more about me than I know about me. I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to rest in you. Not just take a nap, but allow the pressures of this world for, for one day to kind of go to the wayside and just rest in you and your sovereignty. Like, you got this, God. I don't got this. You got this. and So I can take a day down because you got this, right? Some of you, like the, the patterns of your life that you've set up are so unhealthy. And so like what I want to do is I want to just give some real practical principles of, of how you can get this concept into the rhythm of your life. Because I know some of you are thinking, I, where would I possibly take a day of rest? Like yeah, that, that gives me anxiety just thinking about that, right? And so there, there's some things that you can do. One, you're doing it right now. Take an hour or so out of the week and just come together with your church family, leave all that stuff out there, embrace what god has for you here spend some time worshiping spend some time praying that's beautiful that that that's kind of a sabbath principle in and of itself right uh, another great one here's a shameless plug but it fits right in it's it's totally pertinent and it's this uh, join a growth group that when you are in a group it's another hour or so of your week that you're setting aside to go Letting all that stuff go, I'm gonna like Jesus, his example for us. He got together with his disciples, and they would go off and pray or whatever. It's you getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ. We're gonna pray for each other. We're gonna laugh together. We're gonna eat eat together. We're gonna dig into the word together. We're you know whatever. It's this concept of saying, I can take I can take some time down and focus on that and focus on other people. That that's a good thing. Another thing that you can do is like for me, I I take a weekly Sabbath. Mine is on Friday since. Sundays kind of a work day for me um, but my, Friday is, is my day and and I I'm a pro at it I Sabbath hard I do like I am reading books feet up listening to music uh, you know all that kind of stuff you know I might work on some projects around the house that make me feel good or you know I feel good accomplishing some things whatever uh, take a walk take a hike you know, whatever but I'm I'm spending I'm taking a day to recharge me and to reconnect with God. That's I, I, So I, I try to do that. And now for everybody, everybody's life is going to look a little bit different. Some of you, your Sabbath is today, and that's great. Some of you, it might, you might have to squeeze in on a Saturday or another day of the week, depending on your work schedule. But find some time. And if you are in a season of life, and we all have these seasons of life, don't feel guilty about them. If you're in a season of life where you are working multiple jobs to make ends meet, or you're, or you're the only breadwinner in the household or whatever, and, and I mean, you just have to work, 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 work to to get things done. I get that. Know that it's most likely a season of life and it won't go on forever. But if you're in that season of life, just find ways to squeeze in rest. So it might not be a whole day, but it might be for a few hours on one day or a few hours on another day or whatever, but find some way to recharge. I was just looking at James. He's a hot tub guy. He's in the hot tub all the time. Loves the hot tub. I love... James and his hot tub. There should be like a children's book about James and his hot tub. So it'd be awesome. So like, like, I don't know if that'd be a good children's book actually. (laughs) So anyway, Um, anyway, but no, that's great. Um, but, but whatever your thing is, I mean, some of us like to get together and smoke a cigar. Some of you know, some of you are, whatever your thing is, like you do, you find a way to rest, relax, recharge, connect with one another, you know, just do that. Jamie and I, a, a few years ago, started a thing where uh, something we had wanted to do for years and years and years and put it off. And finally, like five or six years ago, started doing it. But you know, she's got a weekend out of the year where she gets together. She's got six or seven best friends, girlfriends, and they all go off you know, someplace in Tahoe and share the cost of that and, and, uh, and just spend three or four days away from family And I love that when that weekend weekend comes, I love that she gets that time to recharge and you know away from all of us. I mine is a spring camping trip. I do a spring camping trip every year, and so I like to get out where it's like I'm coming. I'm camping here because my cell phone signal ends over there, right? And and so I I like that. And and it's just again that time to just get away. It could be vacation time. Some of you are so proud of the fact that you've built up decades in vacation time. And it's not, I I don't see anything to be proud of. It's great that you're a hard worker, but that vacation time is for your benefit. Use it. Use it. Your family needs you to use it. You need to use it. Your body needs you to use it. Just do that. You know, it's it's a good thing. But find some way to rest. Find things that you enjoy and do them. I love, can I tell you, I, I love so much that this is a command, a top 10 command from God. Like it's that big of a deal to him. It's that big of a deal. And so it should be a big deal to us. If it was that big of a deal to Jesus to work into the patterns of his life. And sometimes you read those passages that I just read all at once. You look at Jesus' example and sometimes it's just it's wherever he could squeeze it in. Or sometimes it was in the middle of busyness. Everybody's crowding in and he's like, I got to go. You know and he just goes and takes a break. I'm going to go sit by the lake. I'll be back later, right? And so, but wherever you can do that, wherever you squeeze that in, do that. And if you can over time find ways to make that a more regular part of your life, um, then I, I think that's great. I think you should, should absolutely do that. You want to be like Jesus? Rest. Why? Because you're no good to the kingdom if you're completely frayed. You're no good to, the, to God's work that he has for you to do if you have nothing left in your tank, if you are um, constantly uh, just overwhelmed by the opportunities. Can I tell you that once you, once you offer yourself to God and offer yourself to the service of man, uh, there will be no shortage of opportunities. And all of them, most of them, probably really good opportunities, But even Jesus, I mean, you realize the the people that Jesus was getting away from were people that were sick, that were hungry, that were in emotional stress. They were people that really needed Jesus. And yet he still could look at the crowd and go, it's best for me to get away right now. As a parent, the same thing. Your kids are never going to look at you and go, Mom, you're looking a little rough. You should take some time off, right? I I got this. I, you know, your kids aren't going to do that. But you know what? That's just because they're dumb and they don't know what they need. <laughs> they don't. They don't know. They will. Be, you go to try to try a date night with your, your husband or your wife. Your kids will whine and oh, why you always got to go? Out? But you know what? Your kids need. They need a mom who can go the distance. They need a dad who can go the distance. They need a mom and dad together who can go the distance in their marriage. That's what they need. They don't know they need that, but that's what they need. And So take care of yourself so that you can take care of others, so that you can do the work that God has called you to do. Because even if your body doesn't burn out, your mind will if you're not careful. I've seen so many, like pastors or people in ministry positions in all kinds of different ways that had so much potential that burned out so early because they just ran, 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 and never took a break. And then they start to get resentful and they start to get bitter about things. It's like what what they were once doing with joy is now a burden to them. We don't want to be that kind of church. We don't want to be that kind of people. Like you've heard me say before, our goal here, we're building the hundred year church. I'm not just building a church for you. I'm building it for your kids and for your grandkids and all. That's what we're doing here. We're building the 100-year church. And if we're going to be that 100-year church, if we're going to go the distance in that, then it means that we have to take care of ourselves along the way. Amen? Amen. So let's do that. Let's rest. Be like Jesus. Let's rest. Amen?
1: You should rest, Jeff.
0: (laughs) You should take a break. All right. Like, you, seriously. Take my Bible. Come on.
1: You should really take a rest. <laughs> love okay. you, man. I love you, too. <laughs> this is awkward. It's huh? very awkward. Yeah. It's <laughs> love awkward moments.
0: Well, you got yourself one. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you guys would, um, I'm going to have you guys scoot over just a little bit. Um, Jeff's been with us, Uh, the whole Myers family's been with us for uh, 10 years now. That's a pretty cool thing, so I want you guys to, yep, yep, super awesome. Uh, So please take a rest and watch this video. Wow. 10 years, Um, I can't think of (laughs) <laughs> it's like, you know, you put music to it while I'm going through the slides. I, I can look at it fine. As soon as you add music to it, it just becomes this big dramatic thing. I can't think of anybody, uh, any, any family I'd rather go through this last 10 years with than, um, than you guys. Um, yeah. Uh, we've been through a lot. Um, we've come a long way. And uh, just like those pictures, you know, we've gone from a, a, a school gym um, with heartaches and, and frustrations, and joys, and and made it to this place where we've we've turned it in from Playland to Playland Church, and that's I mean we we've just come a long way. I just can't think of anything uh, a- anyone better to go through that process. Um, Jeff, you give me so much leeway. Thank you. <laughs>
2: For some of you that are newer here, um, this church started around 16 years ago, and uh, we had a pastor that was with us when we first started out, and then he left, and we went through a transition period of time where we started looking for a new pastor and praying that God would send, man, we did this first service, okay, so this should be able, we should be able to do this really easily now, but it's not, it's, um, but we started praying that God would send somebody who could lead this part of his body to become all that it could be, not only for Dixon, but for the community around it, and then also out to the world. And I had a lot of phone calls back and forth with Jeff and Jamie because there was a pastor here in the area that we knew, and he had called me up and said, hey, you should talk to this guy, Jeff. Um, And so the conversation started, and it's really interesting for me because February 26th was 10 years since Jeff and Jamie into town, so that was 10 years ago on February 26th, Monday. Um, not to make it about me, but also February 26th was also, um, one year since you guys took the vote to make me a full time pastor, and so, um, we're forever linked that way, you know. Um, Whether you like it or not. can't get rid of me, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But, um, Jeff and I had talked back and forth, and Jamie and I had had conversations back and forth, and we dreamed of what it could be, and God, the way he does, he puts dreams in your heart, and then he just blows them up to this amazing thing, way beyond what you could imagine, and and working with you guys is really living the dream of being able to serve God in, in incredible ways, and um, thank you so much for your leadership that you've both brought to this church, that you've brought to this community. Jamie, you've spent... Tireless hours at the Teen Center doing things and just being involved in so many areas of our community, you know, and teaching and everything else, um, leading our counseling ministry. You know, I mean, you are the one that really makes Jeff look good, okay? That's true. And he needs help. (laughs) Jeff and I pick at each other all the time about that. Anyway, um, thank you guys for all you've done. Um, As a church for you guys, and I'll fill you guys in on a little bit of the details, but as a church, we would like to send you guys on an all expenses paid sabbatical which you're talking about resting sabbatical to get some rest Um, but for you and Jamie and we'll get Isaiah to take care of the kids Um, (laughs) but we want to send you guys away on a cruise so that you can rest and recover and renew thank you and come back and, and continue to lead with excellence the way you have for so long. And uh, so I look forward to in the coming week or so to sit down with you guys and talk about the details of that and kind of planning that out and how that's all going to look. Um, what I wanted to share with you guys as a church is it's, you know... A, here's the business-keeping part of it, none of that's coming out of the general fund. Um, We were keeping things really quiet on the down low last week, and we sent out a link, um, and it's up on the Facebook page. Um, And then also, if you want to give to Pastor Appreciation, you can write that on a check memo line or whatever and get in. But we're just doing this out of pocket versus taking it out of the budget. We want to tell them what we appreciate it and give them that. And so um, if you want to give to that, we're still going to keep that link up. Through uh, Friday, I believe it is, or you can get in touch with me or Jamie, uh, me or Jesse, and uh, give some money that way or whatever. But uh, we love you guys. We are so grateful for what you've done for this church. Um, we're grateful foremost for your hearts for God, because that's what really matters is how you you give your lives to God and how you've led. But go get some rest.
0: Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thank you me. want to lead us prayer? Thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you all so much. Um, oh,
2: and here's some notes, too, real quick. Here's some notes oh. from people for you guys. If you guys want to send them to Jesse, write something out that you want to send to Jesse and Jamie, or get a hold of them and give the notes to them. Mm. But we'll package all that stuff and give it to them if you want to tell them something. Way they the URF the URF. All
0: right. Um, I've said it before. Turn on the light so I can see your face. Um, yeah, Isaiah, come up here and join us, please. We. Um, it's, it's honestly been the, the greatest honor of my life to be your pastor. And um, um, I was talking to Chris earlier and just saying literally the fastest 10 years of my life, like bar none, the fastest 10 years of my life. I've worked, I've been in churches where I was only there for two years and it felt like 20. And, and this just speeds by, like when Jamie and I were in college, you know, Dreaming about doing ministry together, it was. I'm good. <laughs> uh, dreaming about doing ministry. I mean, this was what we dreamed of. Um, I'm, no, I'm not all right, all right. <laughs> Um, and so I just I thank you guys so much for just for being, literally the easiest church to pastor in the world. <laughs> like you guys get it, and I love that you get it. I love that you keep it about Jesus, and um. You make pastoring a joy. I, I, Phil and I talk about this, you know, whenever we get together with other pastors, how many, uh, it's the majority actually, how many other pastors out there um, that just feel like their churches drain them and, and um, they just, there's so many difficulties and everything. And, I, you know, and we have our seasons of whatever, you know, things that happen, but um, you guys make it a joy to be a pastor. And so thank you so much. Thank you.
3: Um wanna say something? Yeah, just um when we came here from Oklahoma, it's you know, I realize we're not coming to Africa or India or some place overseas, but what all of our family is back home as we say, whatever, in Oklahoma, it it really was kind of a mission journey for us. It was it was a choice of coming here because we felt like God wanted to use us here and the jobs that I've had in Dixon and the places that we've served, they've all been very intentional based on a feeling of of God being able to use us somehow in this ministry. And even Isaiah, when we moved here, um, he went through, we've homeschooled some. We, when he first got here, went through some bullying and all kinds of stuff, you know, like kids go through and struggles. But they did it because they were part of this mission with us and Molly, too. And at one point, he had, he was at a crossroads where we had decided all of his friends from Neighborhood Christian were going to Buckingham for high school. And of course, it's a great school, so we had planned for him to go there as well. And he actually came to us, though he had no friends in Dixon. No, I shouldn't say that. He didn't have very many people that he really knew at the high school. All of his good friends were going to Buckingham. And he said, came back to us and said, I know you went through a lot of trouble to get me enrolled there, but... I just feel like God brought us to Dixon for a reason and we're here on mission and Dixon is our mission not Vacaville and I should be in school in Dixon and so he kind of went through some months of eating alone and not knowing who to hang out with because he felt like that was his place to serve and it's just an example of even, you know our family I think as a whole we embrace this because um, you're our home now and um, you many of you here are kind of pseudo-grandparents for my kids, and aunts and uncles, and brothers and sisters. And you've made being away from home okay. And we just thank you for that. We love you.
0: Thank you, guys.
1: So if we can get the um, elders up here. I just want to close this out in prayer. So. Uh, We have any elders to come up and just kind of lay some hands on these guys. Uh, So if you would join me, um, let's just bow our heads and uh, pray for this day and pray for uh, the Myers family. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Um, We thank you that we can come together and and share uh, this great time, this celebration with you, God. We give uh, praise to you, and we thank you for what the Myers family, what Jeff has done in this church, for this church. Um, God, the way that you've used them, the way that you've used them to touch and affect lives in this church and in this community, um, thank you for guiding them, and uh, God, we just pray for years to come, 10 years, 20, 30, 40, God, to keep using them uh, for your glory, uh, keep them on a straight God. Continue to give them a vision and a passion for you. Uh, Lord, we love them, and we love you, and uh, thank you for um, everything that they've done here, God. We, we raise them up to you, lift them up to you, God, uh, to bless them. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Guys, thank you so thank much. You Have you. a great week.